0: Hello, everyone, from beautiful Merced, located in the Central Valley of California, USA. Thanks for joining me on the journey of leadership in the church. I'm Joel Dorman. One of the main struggles congregations seem to have nowadays is the basic answer to the question, who are we here for? Like, if you ask it as, why are we here, people give you the, you know, the, the, Sunday school answer, but who are we here for? That's the real question that we're asking. And most certainly, most of us can agree that ultimately we're here because of and for the glory of God and Jesus Christ. But how does that work out in the crucible of church life? Are we here to edify the saints, or are we here to reach the lost, or both? And if both, who takes priority? Those going to heaven but having a rough time on earth, or those going to hell but doing okay on earth? And once we decide, the Bible tells us that we are in fact an international missionary agency with franchises across the world, how do we then relate to a world completely foreign to how most churches operate? Now, let me say it this way. Most churches have existed for the pleasure of its membership for so long that they don't recognize the reality of the culture around them. As a result, we may desire to reach out to others and take the living water of Jesus to them, but our attempts fall flat. We invite them to our services, and if they show up, they don't come back. We invite them to our events and if they show up we don't see them on a sunday we invite them to hang out with us and if they show up we can't seem to get it beyond that i mean what is the deal has the gospel stopped being effective no no not at all the issue is we've stopped thinking like missionaries When a missionary enters a host culture, they spend a lot of time, sometimes years, learning the language, the mannerisms, culture, expectations, power structures, and politics so they can properly contextualize the gospel for that culture in that time. Reading missionary stories are an amazing way of seeing how this is done and how the gospel was and is advanced across the planet. But then we come to the United States, Canada, England, or Australia, and we assume that because we were born into those cultures and that we speak their language, we are properly contextualizing the gospel. Worse, we're taught that for some strange reason, we don't have to, even though missionaries do it every day. As I said, we have stopped thinking like missionaries, and it's why our evangelism is not effective. Now, how did we get there? Where did this come from? How did we become such terrible missionaries in our own country? Because look, I don't believe for one second that it's a lack of love or a lack of desire. I don't think that, and you don't think that. So how did we get here? It's because we are still assuming that we live in an Acts 2 culture. Let me explain. In Acts chapter 2, we find the seed of the church Gathered in the upper room when the Holy Spirit blows in, the church is born and the church hits the streets. Luke informs us in the fifth verse of Acts chapter 2, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. This is significant because God-fearing Jews knew the law. They knew the Old Testament. They even tried to live by it. They knew the stories of creation the fall, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the prophets, they knew it all. I mean they not may not have been, you know, complete biblical experts, but they were familiar with it, they knew it. So Peter gets up in verses 14 through 41 of Acts chapter 2 and he preaches to them and he connects all those pieces together ending with each of you must repent for your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, don't miss this. Please don't miss this. Why was Peter able to speak like this? Why was he able to speak the way he did in verses 14 through 41 of Acts chapter 2? The Holy Spirit? Well, certainly. Of course. Of course. The Holy Spirit is the common factor of all evangelism. But what else? What else is happening right here in the text that I am convinced we miss? It's the culture around him. The people under the sound of Peter's voice shared the church's pre-understanding about God, the Bible, and the prophecies. These God-fearing Gentiles and these Jewish people of Judaism already understood everything Peter summarized with in verse 38 when he said, repent of your sins. They already understood what sin was. They already understood what repentance was. He tells them, turn to God. They understood what that was. That was a common call of all the prophets, turn to God. Then he says, be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Now, even baptism was not new to them at this time in history, and they'd already seen John the Baptist, and they'd heard about that, so they had recent examples of all this. Even baptism wasn't new. The new part was in the name of Jesus, but he had connected all that. Forgiveness of your sins, they already knew all that. And then he says you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But even the idea of the Holy Spirit was not new to them. Everything Peter said to them, they already knew. Again, what they didn't know was how it all was going to combine and become all about Jesus. That Jesus was the Messiah, he was the son of God, he was the one they were waiting for. That in a sense, was new. But even the messianic expectation was not new. They were already looking for the answer. The Holy Spirit just gave Peter the privilege of actually giving them the answer. Now, fast forward to Acts chapter 17. We are a long way from the God-fearers and the Jewish people living in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost when Peter got up and preached. We are now in Athens with the polytheists mixed with this various uh, types and legalized religions of the Roman world. Now we're following the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 17 and he has this powerful proclamation of the gospel in the meeting of the Areopagus using the object of their altar to an unknown God. Does that ring a bell? Acts chapter 17, you remember that story? Now, since my audience is pastors and teachers and church leaders primarily, I'm not going to break down everything Paul said, but, but ask yourself this. Why didn't Paul simply present the gospel like Peter did in Acts chapter 2? Why didn't Paul simply stand up in front of the people of Athens these Roman citizens, and simply say the exact same thing Peter did in Acts chapter 2? I bet you already know the answer, because Paul was not in the same culture that Peter was. There wasn't the pre-understanding that the Jewish people and the God-fearing Gentiles had in Acts chapter 2. Paul wasn't speaking to Jewish people who were looking for the Messiah. Paul was speaking to the same people we are speaking to in Western culture. Let me say that again. Paul was speaking in Acts chapter 17 verses 16 through 34 to the same type of people we are speaking to today in Western culture. This is why... Our typical approach doesn't work. We are trained for an Acts chapter two culture. We are trained for a Christian culture that already accepts absolute truth and is already looking for hope in God because they believe in absolute truth. They believe in God and they believe that a higher power even exists. But we're not in an Acts chapter two culture today, are we? And we haven't been for a very long time. We are living in an Acts 17 culture. We are in a culture where truth is relative. Christianity is a closed-minded option you can take so long as it doesn't offend others, and God is the person you make yourself out to be. We are a long way from a Christian culture. We are a long way from Peter in Acts chapter 2. We are Paul in an Acts chapter 17 culture. Our culture is postmodern and it is post-Christian. It is not driven by logic, but by experience. It is not driven by truth and dogma, but by feelings and fluidity. It is the same culture Paul spent most of his later life in the New Testament dealing with. That's our culture. This is why, even though we might agree that the church is supposed to be here for others and that we're supposed to evangelize, this is why we can't reach the others. This is why, by and large, by and large, we are terrible missionaries. I mean, this is one of the key reasons, I think, why nearly 90% of churches have plateaued or declined, because we're just not good missionaries anymore. We're trying to reach a culture that doesn't exist anymore, at least not here, And the congregations who are using Acts 17 methods to reach an Acts 17 culture are often described using these words or phrases. See if any of these sound familiar. Compromisers. Sellouts. Worldly. Entertainment-driven. Tickling ears. Flashy. Youth-driven. Seeker-sensitive. Seeker-driven. Weak-on-truth any of those sound familiar? Are you hearing what I'm saying? The Christian world of the West fights against the very missionaries actually reaching our culture. The ones successfully taking the message of Jesus to the Athenians of our age with their altar to an unknown God are accused of doing everything but representing Jesus, and yet we find the Apostle Paul doing the exact same thing. We are starting a journey today of breaking down how to leave the Acts chapter 2 church culture and embrace the effectiveness of Acts 17 for our Acts 17 culture. After all, heaven and hell hang in the balance for our friends, family members, co-workers, and neighbors while the debate rages on on who the church is here for. Until next time, keep shining Jesus.